Hi everyone, welcome to the Unity Podcast brought to you by UniBridge. I'm Yun Cheng, your host for today. In our last episode, we spoke with Carlock, a second-year law student at the University of Oxford, and left off with his insights into the curriculum, teaching style, and the extracurriculars at Oxford. So without further ado, let's hear what he has to say about this topic. Let's go. I guess, you know, now that you are in Oxford for two years, right, you have participated in quite a number of like activities in school, right? So um, besides your law activities in school, what other student, you know, organizations are you part of? And um, what has the experience life, like the, how is the student life in Oxford like for you? Okay, um, I'm not sure if I've mentioned this, but like just for everyone's info, like, in Oxford, the tutorial system is known as like the perk or like the hallmark of education in the undergrad level, mm. which is a really small group, like at most two or three persons to one tutor, and um you spend around an hour each for um every lesson. So how the typical workload works in Oxford is that we are mainly taught by tutorials by our own tutors, and uh, lectures are optional unlike um, JC and um, so mm. for every term it is eight weeks long which is about two months and within eight weeks you write 12 essays which is one and a half tutorials per week which means that like, you write um, around three essays every two weeks and mm. the workload is like you're given a lot of time to do your readings like around three or four days and then you produce an essay and then doing a tutorial, the essay is discussed, or your readings are discussed, and then like your tutor points you to the right track, and that is how you learn a lot of your contents. Um, so like I think Oxford is a lot more academic in that area, and then like secondly, like I would like to briefly like talk about the law extracurriculars that I have participated in before I talk about the other like extracurriculars that I take part in. So for the law staff, like firstly, um, if you come to the UK, there is uh this society called the United Kingdom Singapore Law Student Society, and so that is like a UK wide law student society for Singaporeans, which is very interesting because I don't think that in Singapore you have like a Singapore Students Law Society because it's just SMU and NUS, and that's really helpful because um you have an extra platform to learn more about UK-wide opportunities tailored to Singaporean students and also benefit by having like this network of other people outside from Oxbridge whom you can like be friends with and attend socials while also benefiting in terms of career. So that is definitely mm-hmm. really helpful in broadening your horizons beyond just like Oxford or Cambridge or like the London bubble. And then mm-hmm. I also take part in like pro bono for my school and um, I have done some editing for like law journals in school and in the United Kingdom Singapore Students Law Society. I have mm. taken part in mooting, which is this like simulated moot court experience, where like you like advocate for one side, and then you have a case and you have to present your arguments on a specific area of law. And normally you do it with like a partner. This really helps in your advocacy skills and a lot of lawyers do that and it can be quite fun if you like things like debate or money I guess and then finally I also took part in like a non-credit course offered by the faculty of laws um, in human rights institute so I did this human rights course uh, in my free time in my first term and it wasn't counted towards my grades or anything but it gave me an insight into like 
the kinds of like things that I wouldn't really learn in my curriculum. So um, mm-hmm. in terms of my non-law extracurriculars, I have done sports such as frisbee and badminton. So in Oxford, you belong to a college and I applied to a mature student's college, which is any student who is above 21 years old, which all Singaporean males would be when they enter. And so mm-hmm. I was playing badminton at the college level, but I play frisbee at the uni level. So, um, which means oh, that I okay. played matches against other like unis and helped Oxford to like qualify for competitions and things like that. And beyond mm. that, like I also joined um my college like junior common room, which is a kind of like student council representing your college's interest, and being like mm. the bridge between the college and the student union, which represents the students in the university as a whole. And finally, I was also a member of the Oxford Uni um, Singapore Society, and I ran for president in my second term. So that was like, those were the kind of like extracurriculars that I did in my spare time in my first mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. So actually, do you want to share with us a little bit more about um, what the Singapore Student Association at Oxford does and, you know, how prospective students um, can look for you guys for, you know, be it, uh, be it like emotional support, be it like administrative support, or just academic support, things like that. Okay, um, so the Oxford Singapore Society is like the first port of call for Singaporean students when they come to Oxford for like to get to know other people from their own countries. And so we usually organize like um, summer activities over the vacation before freshers come over to the UK. So that when they come to the UK, they really hit the ground running by having a social network of other people that they know from like the same country. And obviously these activities are optional, but it's I think it's always nice to um, participate to know more people before you start school. And um, having a Singaporean like network is really comforting as well. Even though I would say that like if you come to uni, you should try to also like make friends with other people who are not Singaporean which is something that I really actively try to do and I encourage people to do as well. I think that um, in spite of that, it's useful because like Singaporeans have like many um, cultural similarities that others do not share. And um, it's always nice to diversify your friend group so that you have like Singaporean friends, but also non-Singaporean friends. So what the Singapore Society does is um, we organize events every term as well which can range from social activities such as um, welcome back drinks where we have like food, drinks and social networking sessions between individuals to um, mm-hmm. customize um, like welfare support as well as like social events and sports and even um, career opportunities depending on who our sponsors are and what they want to organize. So for instance, if you're a lawyer, Raja and Tan usually host like a law tea where um, lawyers can attend and learn more about how they can um, apply for training contracts and come back to Singapore if they wish to do so with the mm-hmm. firm. And so um, this is nice because um, you get like exclusive like career opportunities. But also because of COVID-19, we have stepped up a lot of welfare support and we are very familiar with running events online as well as in person. Mm-hmm. So you would see a lot of like diverse um, like chances to interact with other people. And finally, during mm-hmm. your exams, we provide welfare initiatives, like welfare packs to spur you on so you don't get discouraged. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. So actually, for all prospective students who are looking to study at Oxford, you know, you guys can definitely check out right uh, the Singapore Student Association. Right, they are doing amazing work there. And so I guess moving on from that, you know, I've noticed quite an interesting uh, thing that you mentioned on your LinkedIn. Right, you you mentioned that you are particularly interested in like advocacy and research for humans human rights issues and i i think just now you you briefly mentioned about you know a course related to human rights issues as well yeah so maybe you can tell us a bit more about like how um i guess being at oxford allowed you to kind of explore these issues or how do you even realize that you know you have you are you have this interest in um the human rights issue like the, the field of human rights yeah I think that um, it's very hard to say like from the get-go before you start studying or even when you have just started studying what area mm-hmm. of law really interests you. So it really depends on like the opportunities that you take part in that really shape your perspective and uh, what you might want to do in future or like really explore further whether in university mm-hmm. or beyond. And I think that um, this started because I saw the opportunity in first year and applied for it. Uh, and then I got selected for the course, and then I attended it every week for one whole term. So how that course worked was that, uh, like every Wednesday you attended like a discussion session, and then like you really interact with um case studies on like human rights law, so different facets of like how it is applied in practice. And for mm. my term, it was like focusing on like global health awareness and advocacy. And that was what really sparked my interest because I saw how um like the HIV pandemic uh disproportionately affected the LGBTQ people both in America and in Africa where it was like a really big problem and even continues to be a problem today. And how like mm-hmm. real industry leaders worked and rallied together to overcome and to advocate for such issues. And so like mm-hmm. I think that being in Oxford is like really such a privilege because you get to meet these people in real life, these people who were the literal movers and shakers of their generation, not just mm-hmm. in the academic field, but like in a very practical human rights perspective. And from this angle, you really get to see like, you get, Oxford gives them a platform for their own students as well to learn from such people. And that's really inspiring and really like helpful to like guide you for a future trajectory in a sense. Mm-hmm. And after this, like, I also, like, took part in human rights mooting experiences, and um, I wrote, like, a legal article, uh, like, adopting a comparative law approach between UK and Singapore on, like, HIV AIDS transmission and how, like, it should be decriminalized in both UK and Singapore so that um, it would reduce stigmatization and really, like, um, protect the vulnerable people in our communities. And, mm-hmm. uh, this also like sparked my interest because I think that like especially as a like young student who wants to like give back because I am a first generation university student, I really mm-hmm. see how like advocacy can play a part and how like as a law student you would naturally be inclined towards advocacy in some sense because it is a skill mm-hmm. that is developed but also it is driven from your passion to make like social change for your like generation. And so this led me mm-hmm. to explore more um non-law extracurriculars in Oxford. So, for example, like, mm-hmm. Oxford gave me the opportunity to do a micro-internship with the Centre for Historic Houses of India, 
which focuses actually on international heritage conservation and it's not something that law students normally would get to do. And I was mm. also able to um, complete a virtual six-week-long internship with Humanitarian Affairs Asia, which is an NGO that is based in Bangkok. So these like, mm. extracurriculars that were really like not law-related helped me to um, see how much more can be done and how actually as a law student I can contribute a unique perspective towards issues and even for like the area of like art for example so like for law you can research on like antiquity law and human rights uh, animal rights laws mm-hmm. in India and see how that can really be helpful to organizations beyond the traditional legal setting mm-hmm. actually what you say just now is you know it really resonated with me because I guess like kind of your journey in university is such a formative experience and there there will be opportunities that are just so unexpected. Like you, you can never imagine this when you are in junior college, like thinking, hey, I'm going to apply for law. There, there are so many different opportunities out there um, and kind of different influences that you might encounter, be it like through your classes, be it through like what you said, you know, internships with um, different, you know, different parts of Oxford or, you know, external agencies, things like that. So I guess, you know, in general, that's also in essence like why we are doing Unibridge as well, right? Trying to allow our audience to learn more about these opportunities out there, to expose yourself a bit more to the um, kind of um, possible experiences that you might um, um, face in university and how that would allow, you know, how those activities would shape kind of who you are as a person. And I think lastly, before we kind of wrap up this um, podcast today, um, I noticed something that is very interesting in your in your LinkedIn profile. Um, you actually are part of like this um, student organization called University, uh, like Oxford University Silk Road Society Think Tank, which is, I guess, um, I would say it's, I guess, slightly different from what you do like from the rest of the activities because most of the rest of the activities are like law focused or human rights focused and advocacy focused so um, maybe you can uh, tell us a bit more about like this think tank that you're currently working in oh that's a very good way to end actually because um i think that like mm-hmm. coming to oxford and what like yunjung said about um the possibility of you changing your views about certain things and um, how college is really a formative experience is really true and uh, from a more practical perspective when I first like when I was considering whether to accept my scholarship offer that was something that was very like cognizant when I realized that like uni might change my views on things and I might not be sure whether I would be the same person after that so I think like Mm. it's a very cliche thing to say but I think that like if you stay true to your values and like you're like true to yourself, then even if you go through like different things that you may not have expected or, or envision yourself to be doing in university, fundamentally mm-hmm. you might have changed, but you know, like deep down you're still like the same person and that mm-hmm. has really like more more often than not, like cemented my um conviction in like pursuing a career in the civil service. And I think mm-hmm. that um in many ways, like, this scholarship has also given me the opportunity to do things that I normally wouldn't be able to do. So, like, um, like 
um, a lot of people who study law would be rightly applying for many like legal related extracurriculars but um in oxford and i'm sure in many other universities in the uk you get to do other things that are may not be law related but may also like be beneficial in a like very transferable skill sense and this mm-hmm. means that uh you can like uh, um do a lot of things like for just one term instead of like one whole year because like mm-hmm. extracurriculars in the UK work quite differently from Singapore where where you are expected to commit for like the whole year once you choose something. So mm-hmm. I think that um being in Oxford and also like being a scholarship holder has helped me like shape my very distinctive like academic interests. And so mm-hmm. like and this is related to like COVID nineteen. So um like over lockdown I like realized that there was this opportunity to apply to be an analyst with the Silk Road Society think tank and I thought mm-hmm. that like my BSP roots as mentioned earlier <laughs> like might be helpful because um like in this sense it's a little bit like China studies but I'm using my translation skills um to contribute towards like Western academic perspectives which is something that mm-hmm. like the Belt and Road Initiative actually needs a lot because the Belt and Road Initiative is like China's largest infrastructural project. And this means mm-hmm. that um there's a lot of attention on it, but it might not always be balanced or like wholesome because of like very critical Western media lens on China. So mm-hmm. um this experience is actually very interesting because like it really like opened my eyes towards how much more can be done in terms of like social equity and ensuring mm-hmm. like sustainable development goals for international projects and how we can play our small part even as students to contribute towards that. And this mm-hmm. has really helped me because I think like even though it's not really law related and not about like youth empowerment, it has helped me to consider better like where my interests lie in terms of like a more academic research perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh it will also inform my decision to like apply for masters in future. So like this brings mm-hmm. me to how like being a scholarship recipient is like a privilege because um I can like apply for funding to attend things like academic symposiums on China and international relations. Mm-hmm. And that was why I did during COVID nineteen. So like earlier this year mm-hmm. in February, I got funded to attend the Harvard Project for Asia and International Relations conference, mm-hmm. which was held virtually. And like mm-hmm. I think it's something that like most people wouldn't apply for if like as mm-hmm. law students and I think that like it's really interesting because it really broadened my perspective and made me more aware of like Asian and international relations issues that I normally wouldn't think about. So like it's something that I'm really grateful for. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. finally also like on the topic of the pandemic, like there was a lot of like uncertainty involved in terms of like virtual learning and um cancelled plans as well. So like mm-hmm. one of my cancelled plans was actually an internship where I was supposed to do with Uni Droid, which is um short for like this intergovernmental organization that aims to um unify private law, and like mm. so this was like something that was supposed to be held in person in Rome, but I couldn't attend because of like COVID restrictions. So that was like bad. But like the pandemic also created some good. Like you know there are more um virtual conferences that would normally be in person but now you, it's accessible to you from wherever you are and that is really helpful as well mm-hmm. so I think mm-hmm. that um, like overall like my uni experience like has been quite unexpected 
and mm. uh, I'm grateful for it because I think that like both the platform of Oxford and my status as a scholar means that I get to do things that normal law students wouldn't do. And even my future mm. career as well, I will be doing something like government communications, which is not something that law students do typically as mm. well. So I'm very grateful for this opportunity. Yeah. So I think that's a great way to wrap up today's episode. Um, maybe before we go, you can give um, our audience maybe some final advice or final words of thought. Mm, I think like keep an open mind when you apply and like try your best to do what you can, but also like be open to uncertainty. So um, so to our audience today, um, if you'd like to hear more of like more stories like this or more insights like this about you know the unexpected twists and turns of university um as overseas um please be sure to stay tuned to our future episodes of unity and if you'd like to connect with more seniors and learn more about all things related to studying overseas do feel free to join our unibridge community on telegram you can find the link to our telegram group on our instagram page at unibridge underscore sg so be sure to give us a follow thank you so much carlo um Thank you so much for your time today and see you I'll see you guys in the next episode of our podcast. Bye. Thank you. Bye.